Here's the Catch is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. GameTime is the best way to get tickets for everything from sporting events, music concerts, and theater shows. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Let's go, man. Tear it up, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, we can start with this, guys. The 49ers just held Aaron Rodgers, who is a surefire future Hall of Famer, to his least efficient career performance. 3.2 yards per attempt. It has never been that low for Aaron Rodgers. 1.7 net yards per drop back. That includes all the sacks because the 49ers get a ton of sack yards. That's also never been lower for Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, th- that's just the wow to me from this game. A 37-8 win over the Packers, who were a top-10 team, obviously, coming into this game. But the 49ers, I mean, we've been talking about all year, Matt. This this is a team that's been on a historic pace. And today, that pace for the pass defense and that pass rush, uh, you know, just took a- another step. And obviously, a lot of other things went really well for the 49ers today. But seeing what they made of Aaron Rodgers today, that, that just made my jaw drop. Yeah, the uh, the Jim Harbaugh, Vic Fangio teams were really good against Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers, obviously, two wins in the playoffs. I think they were 4-0 against them in that span that those uh, two guys were here. But it's never been as dominating, at least on, on defense, to the, uh, the, the Packers' offense as it was today. And uh, every level, I mean, there were a lot of standouts today. Uh, DJ Jones, Nick Bosa... Uh, the cornerbacks played well. I, I thought three guys, one on each level of the defense, really stood out, and, and they were from from front to back, uh, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, and Jimmy Ward. Uh, th- those guys all put in multiple big plays at, at big moments, and that's what you need. You need uh, all three levels of the defense playing well, and uh, the 49ers got that uh, today. And uh, Dennis, uh, who, who, who or what stood out to you from that, uh, that dominating defensive performance? First of all, I think if you look at this 49ers defense, this is, to me at least, the most dominating game that they've had this season. And they've had a lot of really good football games, but they started off this foot football game with the fumble or the the, the 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 strip fumble, you know, get the ball back to the offense, and then all of a sudden you're up by seven points, you know, two minutes into the football game. So this felt like, to me, the most dominating performance performance that they've had this season. And to look at Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines, and he looked like he was done. You know, and Aaron Rodgers is a guy that holds the ball for a long time, and it was like hot potato out there. He was trying to get the ball out of his hand, hands because he knew the, the pass rush was coming. And you're exactly right. Eric Armstead's a different guy. Uh, he's playing at a at a Pro Bowl level now, and uh, what he's what he does. I know we do a lot of talking about Nick Bosa, but Eric Armstead, I think right now is the best pass rusher uh, on that defense. 
Yeah, Eric Armstead was so good today. The final line is two sacks, 13 sack yards, four quarterback hits, and one tackle for loss. But on top of that, he's, uh, I feel, the most active 49ers stack monster. And you talk about you know, Aaron Rodgers playing hot potato with the football, getting rid of it. Well, this 49ers offense is seeing a dose of those screen passes now, and it's so important for those defensive linemen to get into chase mode and become those stack monsters that chase down screen passes after. We saw Arizona give the 49ers a lot of trouble with that a couple weeks ago. Even Seattle gave them a lot of trouble um, you know, in, in, in spots of the game with the screen passes. But today, the 49ers totally adjusted and adapted to that. And I think Eric Armstead was one of the guys who was just pursuing the ball with such reckless abandon it was just awesome to watch that him you know turn around hightail it the other way make the tackle on the screen pass we saw him blast around the edge for a sack and he looked like d ford he 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 got to showcase his athleticism there's never been a player in the history of the nfl that's that's been bigger at that defensive end leo position the 49ers did some research back in 2017 they never found a player who's six seven 290 pounds or whatever Eric Armstead is for that position. And he looked like a 245-pounder coming around the edge. So it was really impressive, emblematic of this pass rush, guys, because, you know, that first drive, you guys brought it up, it was just supercharged. And they set the tone of the game, and then Aaron Rodgers just didn't have anything. I mean, for a while, Matt, he was at .4 net yards per drop back. I mean, these are these are mind-boggling numbers that this defense is putting up. And then sustaining throughout the course of the game and you have to realize that really only two halves against Arizona have given this defense trouble this year outside of that it's been lights out yeah uh lights out is uh the the operative phrase here and and not just against Aaron Rodgers Uh, Fred Warner said that you know they were very focused on Aaron Jones uh coming into this game um he had 11 touchdowns uh entering he came out with, what was it, 13 carries for 38 yards, which is a 2.9-yard average, one of his uh, lowest outings of the season. I mean, they, they were doing everything right. And, um, you know, maybe more so than in, in years past, Green Bay's offense is hinging off the running game. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur, obviously, is a, a Shanahan disciple. So you, you, we all know what that, that, that balance is like. And, and they didn't have either in this game. They, they really had nothing. I mean, it felt like their, their only real chances, the Packers' only real chances, uh, were due to Carl Cheffers and, and his officiating crew. Just some, some calls, maybe some dubious calls that really set the, the Packers up. Other than that, Boy, they had trouble against this team. And uh, you mentioned D. Ford. Uh, D. Ford didn't play in this game. So they had that, that five-sack performance, uh, awesome pressure against this team without arguably their best pure pass rusher. And you're right, Eric Armstead really kind of filled in the, uh, uh, the absence there. And um, I think Dennis is right, too. I, I mean, if, if Eric Armstead isn't going to the Pro Bowl on this defense— uh, it makes you really wonder about the the Pro Bowl voting. I know that Nick Bosa is leading. He has better name recognition, uh, even though he's just a rookie, than Armstead. But Armstead looks like he's the most deserving of that group to go to the Pro Bowl. Um, anything else stand out to you, Dennis, about that uh, that defensive line? Well, I mean, you just you look at what they did, and I, I think the game plan when you play against a guy like Aaron Rodgers, fifteen year. 
vet guy, you got to get after him and you got to put hits on him. And it and it really felt like they started early in the game. I mean, there was five sacks at the end of the night, but they got after uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they really kind of rattled him a little bit. There was a few times he was throwing the ball in the dirt. You know, there were some plays. It was it was classic Aaron Rodgers. He was throwing the ball down the field. That Jimmy Graham catch that that uh, Jimmy Ward broke up was one of those textbook uh, throws where he, he he climbs the pocket and he throws a strike. Good defense on that. But that, you know, that this defensive line, and I, I don't know what the stats are, but I didn't see a first down until maybe the third quarter. And I think that came on a penalty. And uh, so this defense just shut down this Hall of Fame quarterback. And, and you know, when you talk about stats and you talk about championship defenses, again, this defense stands up, sets the tone, and they shut down a, another very good offense. It ended up being 2.8 yards per play for Green Bay, which is just pathetic. One of 15 on third down. The only way that you get to this type of performance is if all levels are clicking. So I thought it was great that, Matt, you listed a guy on each level because you need the secondary to be working in cohesion with that pass rush. And boy, Robert Sala has this 49ers defense firing on all cylinders. And I think that the, the very first turnover that set the tone of this game really illustrated that. Sala has been pulling the right strings with blitzes all year. We saw Jaquaski Tart later in the game register a sack coming on a strong safety blitz, but it was that first one where Robert Sala dialed Fred Warner's number at just the right time again. He comes roaring in, gets to Aaron Rodgers, forces the sack. 49ers have the ball at the one. They, they score the next play. They never look back. They win this game. 37 to 8. So, I mean, it's just the defense setting the tone, and we haven't even mentioned the words George Kittle yet. We haven't even talked about Jimmy Garoppolo yet. Those are obviously two other major storylines in this game, and that's what makes this the most remarkable, right? The 49ers are now 10 and 1 because every single facet is firing. And if we do want to switch to the offense, Matt, I don't know where to start, but that Jimmy Garoppolo to George Kittle connection might be a good spot since George Kittle. A tight end, 250 pounds with a broken ankle, was faster than Green Bay defensive backs. Yeah, six targets to George Kittle, six receptions, 129 yards, plus the uh, the 61 yarder where he just uh, worked his way. That was a typical uh, Kyle Shanahan play where everything was rolling to the left. Um, I think uh, even Garoppolo was was bootlegging to the left, and then. Kittle broke it back to the right and found wide open spaces. And Jimmy Garoppolo has said this a couple of times that, you know, th- those are tough throws for him when, when the guy is so wide open that uh, all of a sudden you start thinking about the throw instead of just reacting and, and hurling it down there. And he, that, that was the case for George Kittle, uh, alone in the middle of the field. And luckily, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't short arm it or, or overthrow it. It was perfect. And then uh, as you said, David, a guy with a, a broken ankle uh, outruns the, the Packers' defense for that touchdown. And, and that was a, a very typical offensive play for this team this year. The, the Packers had just scored. They had scored a, uh, uh, a two-point conversion. They only got to within 15, but uh, they, they were starting to show some signs of life, and then the offense just sort of slammed the door. And, and we've seen that time and again. When the Rams scored on their opening drive, the 49ers had a response and so on and so forth. Uh, it was just uh, an impressive, uh, no, you're, you're not going to come back into this game 
announcement from Garoppolo, Kittle, and those guys. And um, I, I thought it was one of uh, Garoppolo's best games uh, since he's been here. Uh, what did you think, uh, Dennis, about the, the offense uh, today? You know, I, I paid attention to this, to this offensive line, and, and you saw early in the game Zadarius Smith had some some hits on Jimmy. He had a he had a, he had a couple sacks, and then you see uh, the adjustment, and, and the adjustment in this case was take him out the football game, and you know Brunskill came in and he played well, and he pretty much shut down that outside pass rush. But I think you know there's little things like that where you know a coach I don't know who makes a call on something like that if it's Kyle Shanahan or if it's the offensive line coach. You make a call on that and you decide that, you know, that guy's having a problem. We need a different type guy. And I think Daniel's a, he, he's a guy, he's a, he's, he's a more athletic kind of guy. I think he was a tight end in high school or in college or whatever. I think he's a guy that kind of deal with a Zedarius and uh, because he's a quicker guy. And just that one adjustment, I think, changed the game. Uh, and then, you know, we, we're talking about uh, uh, Kittle. I mean, George Kittle is George Kittle. You know what he does in the run game. He sets that edge for you on the run game, and then he stretches your defense. And, you know, we talk about this team. We all, we're all we always talking about that passing threat, and George Kittle is that guy, and he showed it again tonight. Broken ankle and all. He's an old-school guy. You know, six targets, six catches. Uh, and he opens up the entire game. And, and, you know, Debo, again, Debo had one catch, but it was for a touchdown. So, it, it, again, it's the mismatches. And Kyle, I think Kyle Shanahan did a really good job uh, in seeing some of the mismatches that he had and took advantage of them. Well, I crunched the numbers for that first adjustment for you, Dennis, and you're spot on. In the 49ers' first five drives when they had Justin School at left tackle, they averaged 2.4 yards per play, obviously terrible. Then they switched it out, put in Dan Brunskill. It went from 2.4 yards per play to 11.3 yards per play, and they just ran away with the game. R- boom, just like that. And obviously that wasn't everything. Obviously they did some other stuff right that they weren't doing right before, but I think it was clear as day that they needed to make that change at left tackle. And by the way, after the game, this is what I wrote about Dan Brunskill. Uh, it was pretty amazing. He he. He didn't want to take any credit, and he went out of his way to make sure that I knew that Justin School is badly bruised. He's pretty beaten up and that he was limping to start this game. So uh, Justin School was trying to tough it out, and the 49ers thought that, hey, Dan Brunskill's hardly ever played left tackle. He's used to the right side. We're probably better off with an injured Justin School or or a not 100% Justin School on the left side, and, and that's why he – you know, tried to labor through those first few possessions, but then it just, you know, he wasn't playing well enough. So they switched to Brunskill, who had so little experience on the left side. And he said it was tough. He said it was like batting left-handed in, in baseball, even if you're a righty. And you're right, that athleticism, the former tight end's body, he was able to adapt really quickly. And and I thought that that's one of the stories of the season, Matt, that the 49ers have showcase such adaptability they've their tackles have only played 10 of 22 possible starts between Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley and today they had another complication with Justin school blowing up on them and yet they were able to make the substitution that unleashed the offense I mean that to me is is something that needs to be talked about too yeah Daniel Brunskill is uh, a find obviously um you know, you guys talked about his athleticism, um, his his makeup, his demeanor 
also is remarkable. Uh, uh, David, you, you, you talk to him a lot. I mean, he's a, he's a very even-keeled guy. He's hard to rattle. He doesn't seem like a young guy when, when I talk to him. He seems like a, a multi-multi-year veteran, and, and I think that's what the, the 49ers like about him. And it was, uh, you know, John Benton, the offensive line coach, who, who made that switch. I mean, uh, Benton knows those guys better than anybody. He's with them all the time, and uh, he obviously saw that school was laboring, and uh, he believed in uh, Brunskill to, to do the job. And, you know, the, the 49ers are going to have uh, some guys there next year, some, some depth at that position. And the thing about Brunskill is that he played a little bit of everything uh, this offseason for them. He even played center. Uh, played some guard, mostly played right tackle, uh, which is what he he mostly played with the uh, San Diego fleet of the now defunct uh, AAF. But um, my point is that they can use him anywhere. So uh, you know, if they decide that they need to have a, a competition at right guard or or anywhere, um, I, I think Daniel Brunskill is going to be a guy that they can just kind of put in there, and he's going to give the incumbent or the challenger, whoever it may be. A run for his money. It's a real nice luxury to have um, somebody like that who doesn't get rattled, who can play multiple spots on your team. Uh, it's something that not a lot of offenses around the league have right now. So uh, that, that's a that's a real advantage for this team moving forward. I think. Yeah, and, and we talk about the defensive line and the and the the guys they have that can come in and still play at a at a super high level. And it looks like that they have the same luxury on the def- or on the offensive side. They've got some guys, and they've proven they've got some guys that can come off the bench and play multiple positions. And that's a great luxury to have. And and that just kind of speaks to to John Lynch and some of these guys that he's finding that you know you don't you know you don't fifth round draft picks guys or free agents that are, you know, producing or contributing on this football team. It really is unbelievable because we look at how barren this roster was of talent just a couple years ago. And now not only do you have star power, I mean, Richard Sherman was stumping for all pro for Eric Armstead. He, he was saying today in the press conference that the pro ball is not enough. This guy needs to be an all pro. So you look at the top end talent across, you know, the top 22 of this team, but then you look beyond that and you see the depth. And the depth is what makes this team a true championship contender. That's what you're going to need uh, throughout any season. That This is a high-injury sport. I mean, the rate of injuries across the entire NFL seems crazy. And the, obviously the 49ers have dealt with their share. But the reason they've stayed afloat and the reason they've excelled to this 10-1 and record is because of those role pieces that have been able to step up and deliver even when guys are down. And guys, maybe that's the, you know one of the bigger stories coming out of tonight too. It seemed like finally we exited a game without seeing the 49ers lose another starter due to injury. I think, Matt, it was only some minor stuff that was happening. At least on first glance, there was nothing huge coming out of this game. At least on first glance, although <laughs> I've been burned by that in the past, uh, writing that the, the 49ers didn't seem to have any big injuries, and then you come in on Monday and Tuesday, and uh, some guy comes in with a, a bigger injury than we thought. But you're right. Um, there was, uh, I guess, a minor inj- uh, issue at cornerback with uh, Emmanuel Mosley. The, the idea for this game was that Mosley was going to start the game at right cornerback and that Akella Witherspoon would get a couple of series per half, uh, it ended up being more than that for Akello, uh because Mosley was dealing with an ankle injury. It didn't, d- didn't seem all that serious. 
Richard Sherman left the game briefly with a, a what he said it was a gluteus maximus injury that didn't seem serious, and uh, Witherspoon himself had some cramping in his in his calf. Um, what was the other one? Uh, 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 Jeff Wilson was uh, had an illness. I don't know what that means. It may have meant that he threw up on the sideline and uh, returned to the game. So nothing, uh, nothing st- stood out as far as injuries, but we'll have to wait until Monday and Tuesday to kind of see the end of that. Um, uh, as you noted, David, Richard Sherman was doing quite a bit of stumping for players, and uh, I thought it was interesting that two of the guys he was advocating for, Jimmy Ward and Eric Armstead, uh, are both uh, very similar in that uh, fans didn't really like those guys early on because they were first-rounders who were mostly injured. Now fans love these guys, but they're both uh, destined for free agency in March. And Sherman was saying that both of these guys are making themselves a lot of money this season with their play. And uh, we talked about this in the past, but, boy, Eric Armstead just seems like such an important cog in this in this defense. Uh, it's going to be hard to say goodbye to this guy, but I, I also have a hard time thinking that the 49ers can bring him back. Dennis, should, should, be, should this be a, a guy that the 49ers move heaven and earth to re-sign for the upcoming season? Wait, here's the, here's the question. I mean, you got Eric Armstead and you got DeForest Buckner. I mean, who's the guy that you try to re-sign? Uh, it, it's going to be some serious business decisions made, and and I and I'm sure. I mean, you know, we th- th- this is the NFL, and and it's a very small window. And and Eric Armstead, you know, he's gonna come off this season, and he's gonna he's gonna check the market. He's gonna see what's out there, and it's gonna be tough to keep both of these guys to give to force an extension and and you know give Eric Armstead this Pro Bowl money that he's gonna be be looking for. So. I think you're right. He's important to this defense and the kind of way it goes. And um, it's going to be tough. I don't know if you put a franchise on them or or what you do, but I think it's important that you try to keep this defense together, especially the defensive front, as long as you can, unless you see somebody in the draft or someone else out there that you can replace. Because, you know, contract years, there's a lot to be said about contract years, and Eric, Eric Armstead's taking full advantage of it. And what we're seeing here is is truly special. I mean, for two seasons, we saw the 49ers in this regime. And before that, we saw a lot more losing. But under this regime, we saw a lot of losing. We saw a lot of struggles on the defensive side of the ball. And now, boom, all of a sudden, it seems that they found the magic combination. Mix and match of all these pieces to not only start winning a whole heck of a lot, but again, I go back to all the staggering numbers that they're putting up. And we're seeing... The defense do stuff that we haven't seen before, to, to be honest. It's the Niners and the Patriots were already deep into this season, and now the 49ers are one game into this crazy three-game gauntlet. Obviously, Baltimore's Lamar Jackson is going to uh, test them uh, severely next week. But, you know, this far into the year, we're, we're still seeing a pace that, that is unprecedented from these two teams as far as, as pass defense. And the Patriots looked good in pass defense again today against the Cowboys. So that means that the 49ers have struck gold. And uh, I guess that that's fitting because that's what the 49ers try to do. But it, it, when you have struck gold, when you have found that combination between scheme and, and the players on the field, you want to try to 
keep that for as long as possible. But, you know, we're going to see why it's impossible to keep great things together in the NFL for so long, because when you have struck gold, then the players want their gold, right? The players are going to want that money and they're going to deserve that money. And that's what Richard Sherman was talking about today. So my advice to the fans would be just enjoy this ride while it lasts, because uh, next week we're going to have one epic football game between Lamar Jackson and the NFL's number one offense against, uh, you, you know, this defense that is that is doing stuff that we could have never seen coming entering this season. I, I don't think the 49ers saw it coming either. I think that their grand plan was to be very good defensively, but but this is really something else, and next week is really going to be something else in Baltimore. Yeah, and you also have some ghosts of 49ers pass in this game, and, and Greg Roman is the uh, offensive coordinator in Baltimore, and, he, and he's got a, a mobile quarterback who can run, like he had here, uh, but who also is really adept at, at, at passing, which is uh, uh, something that the, the 49ers wanted Colin Kaepernick to get better at. Uh, he was in the process of doing that, and uh, uh, that's when the, the regime change uh, occurred. But, um, yeah, it, uh, to me, uh, th- this game has been the most intriguing one for the last few weeks just because uh, the, the Ravens do so many things well, including running the ball, um, it's going to be an East Coast trip, a 10 o'clock game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's the one I've tr- triple underscored on, on the calendar. And uh, uh, Dennis, what do you think about the, uh, the upcoming game in Baltimore? Well, it, again, I mean, we, we, we say it every week. It's, it's the biggest game in 49er organization, at least for this regime. And it, and it's, and it continues to go. And I think it's going to be an exciting game because you're playing against a dynamic quarterback, a quarterback that can – that, that's basically a running back and who can throw the ball really well and uh, playing at a super high level. The team's got a lot of momentum. You're going to get on the road. It's going to be wet and rainy, I'm figuring, in, in Baltimore. And you got to play early and you're a West Coast football team. So, I mean, this has to be a great week of work. Uh, you have to go there with the mindset that, I mean, these guys, it, I mean, it, it feels like they're in kind of a playoff mode. Uh, and you can see the urgency, you know, the, you know, the play fast type of thing. And we were talking real brief about injuries. And I was wondering the Mike Persons. I mean, Mike Person, he fought out that last series where the, when the 49ers had to run the football and he was out there and I think he had a stinger. And it's going to be interesting to see going into this game if he's going to be ready to go uh, come Sunday. Yeah, that's that's a big one uh, because obviously we already talked about this line has had to go through so many different permutations today. You're moving a guy and Dan Brunskill had never been on the left side to the left side and obviously he succeeds, but at some point you're going to run dry of that you know, the smoke and mirrors that the 49ers have so successfully employed this year. I think they're close to running dry and maybe they did run dry against Seattle when George Kittle wasn't available, but I think it's pretty safe to say that now that he's back, the offense is a different beast, but you also want to make sure that you keep it bountiful along the offensive line. And those are the guys that protect Jimmy Garoppolo, who ultimately is the most important piece of this all. That's just the way that it is in football, especially in the modern day NFL. It is about the quarterback, and guys, we do need to just zero in on the quarterback before we sign off here because Garoppolo, 12.7 yards per attempt, second in NFL on this Sunday behind only Ryan Tannehill, who blew up at 14.4 for Tennessee. But Garoppolo, a rating of over 145. He was sacked a couple times early. 
as soon as they made the change to Brunskill, the protection was there, and he was rifling that ball down the field. You know, I, I just think Mike McGlinchey put it best. He he said, we have one of the top quarterbacks in the game paired with one of the top play callers in the game. And it's to me, it's pointless to debate, you know, oh, is Kyle Shanahan making Jimmy Garoppolo or is Jimmy Garoppolo making Kyle Shanahan? The point is that both of these guys work extremely well together, as we saw again today. And the, the, the mesh is happening. They're getting better week by week. And today, Garoppolo didn't make a single one of those boneheaded throws that we'd been criticizing him before, Matt. Yeah, and he, and he showed some real leadership, too. Uh, there was a, a, a scene on the sideline, uh, I think it was in the second quarter, the, the 49ers had had two, three and outs, and the, the Packers were hanging around, and the offense was sort of in a bit of a malaise, and uh, Garoppolo brought everybody together on the sideline and said, hey, we can't let Aaron Rodgers hang around in this game. He's too good. We need to go out there and do something. The defense is kicking ass. We need to go out there and, and do our share as well. And uh, I think on the next three drives, they they scored uh, field goal, touchdown, field goal. And, and really, uh, I think the game was at 23 nothing at that point and was out of reach. So um, my point is that uh, the uh, his teammates responded to him. Um, and that's the first time I, I'd heard that, that Jimmy Garoppolo raising his voice, getting angry, getting guys fired up on the sideline. Um, he's been more of, you know, one of the guys uh, to this point, which, which is what he wants to be. But uh, I think it was good. I think it was necessary for him to kind of step up and be the, the ringleader um, be the, the guy cracking the whip on this. And uh, like I said, they, they definitely responded. And it was, um, you know, not, a, not an eye-opening game in terms of yardage or anything like that, but efficient. I, I think he had the highest uh, passer rating of his career up in the upper 140s, uh, just about uh, the best game he's had all season. What did you see, Dennis? Well, what I saw is he didn't he he protected the ball. He didn't he didn't throw an interception. I think against a team like Green Bay, I think the turnover game uh, was going to be huge. And and the 49ers didn't turn over the ball. I think that was that was super important. And I, and it and it and it really felt like I think it can. T- it's good to hear you say that he's kind of taking charge of this of this uh, team. I mean, he is the leader. He is the quarterback. You know, he's not just a pretty boy. He is the leader of this team. And I and it's great to hear that you know he's getting after some guys and he and he was exactly right if that was said you can't let a guy like Aaron Rodgers stay around the game you got to put some points on the board and I was super impor- impressed before halftime I think you know they scored 14 points you know and it was it was just two quick scores they came out the third quarter and kind of went, went three and out the first series but the next time they touched the ball it was a touchdown that George Kittle play so. Didn't have the ball much in the in the second half, but when they had the ball, they were very efficient with the ball, killing the time and and putting points on the board. So, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is is, is that guy. I think he's got, you know, I think him and Kyle Shanahan are on the same page. I think he's very comfortable in this offense, and it sounds like he's really becoming a leader. And that really, I think, binds together everything that the 49ers did so well today, and just thrashing the Packers. 37 to 8. Offensively, you saw Jimmy Garoppolo excel. Defensively, you saw the 49ers do what they've done all season, and that set the table for the offense. And then they just filled in the gaps from there. This was one heck of a performance. Again, 
Aaron Rodgers' least efficient career performance as a quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo's most efficient career performance as a quarterback if we go by that 145.8 rating. So it was the perfect storm today at Levi Stadium, and that's why the 49ers beat a, a team that many considered to be one of their top challengers in the NFC by 30 points. And in the NFL, that is impressive. Anyway, the gauntlet continues next week. 49ers at Baltimore, then the 49ers at the Saints. So we'll be with you guys uh, on podcast shows after all those games. Be sure to check us out then and be sure to have a great Thanksgiving and uh, make sure to join us after the Ravens game on Sunday. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi signing off. We'll talk to you guys next time.